you sent me. I want to know more about you. Tell me. Oh, I was thinking of you when that picture was being taken. Oh, yeah. I'll bet you were. What's that you're smoking? A joint? Why don't you loosen up your pants a little? You're never gonna guess what happened to me on the bus this morning. I mean, it was a morning just like any other, except, oh, you know, I wasn't wearing any panties. So there I am, riding along on the bus, and I see this really sexy guy, and he reminds me of you. And suddenly, I start to get really horny. Ooh, I start to get really horny. And suddenly... So I'm on this bus, and my face is starting to get red. And people are staring and stuff, but I didn't care because it felt so good. I slowly pull my skirt around my hips, and I put my hand inside. Ooh. Ooh. I want to touch you. I want to feel your nipples. Ooh. I want you to lick can't handle nipples like Bobo. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. And it is episode 255 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee. That stupid schmuck is so fat that he couldn't find his own pecker in front of his pants pocket. Russell? Uh, I am joined by my lovely co-hostess with the mostest, Lee. Keep the customers coming, Hardy. How are you doing? That's my responsibility in life. I just keep them coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> again and again. I, there, there were so many lurid lines I could have used for you on this. I tried to keep it somewhat respectful this time. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. And we are joined uh, making a return to the podcast and uh, wasn't on here too long ago either. Our good friend from the butcher shop from Cinema Beef, Gary. It's time for Bobo Hill. How you doing, sir? I was hoping for that that bony that that pony baloney line in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I almost asked for the advance because I wanted it. It was so crazy. Special yeah. request. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there. People, if they want certain lines, they're welcome to request them. Uh, that's that's a thing that can happen. I, I appreciate the spontaneity of the the lines. Yeah, and, you know, 
but you know, just, just you know, just, just put that out there, people. You know, if you're ever guesting on the show or whatever, and if you if you want a special line for me to to put on there for you, then I'll do it. It's, Advertising it's, for the show right at the beginning. It's not necessary. It's just like, hey, that was a hell of a line. I never called my thing the pony baloney before, but I might start doing that. You know, <laughs> just to feel overconfident. <laughs> that. You start calling your thing the pony baloney. That's probably going to get you kicked out of off social media pretty quick these days, and uh, several real life establishments. But, well, you can't yeah. please everybody, like a father said. Okay, it's, it's, yeah, it's one true. of those things. It's very true. Uh, so yeah, we're back, and we're doing a uh, sort of a slasher movie. We're doing this basically. This is a Lee pick, and it was like, oh, we got to see the last ever role for Divine. So uh, even even though it's like brief as fuck um and out of drag mm-hmm. but uh we are checking out out of the dark from 1988 and before we get into that we can talk about what we've watched lately so i will throw to our guest uh, gary first uh, if he has anything he wants to mention i know you guys aren't big, that big of a fan but uh joe bob had a good double bill this past friday baba's black sunday and uh james bond the third's Death by Temptation. Now, Black okay. Sunday, yeah, Black Sunday gets a lot of accolades, you know, for being a Bob film in the '60s and have a lot of balls. I mean, that 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 blow with the hammer to the face is still mm-hmm. pretty pretty brutal to this day. But um, Death by Temptation is often, you know, maligned for being a trauma film, and that's not fair, in my no. opinion. It's a uh, shot by Ernest Dickerson, who went on to do many, many great things, including one of my top five films of all time. He shot Do the Right Thing for Spike Lee and Surviving the Game. He directed and mm-hmm. some good some some good stuff in that, that um the oeuvre of Ernest Dickerson. And this film's great. It's got a great cast to it and it's got a goofy looking monster at the end. There's not many succubus films out there, but this this one's this mm-hmm. one's one of them. And um one of these days, uh, we'll, we'll do it on the show or something. It's, it's, it's a good time, but yeah, it's good. I, I re revisited not Sam Raimi, it was Scott Spiegel's Intruder, but Sam Raimi's in the film. Ted Raimi's in the film. This is a film you haven't seen it before. It's about a killer in a grocery store that was closed, and it's a fun slasher for the fact that they use everything that's in the grocery store. They use the the the, the rib slicer, they use mm-hmm. the, the, the box compactor, really bloody stuff. But Shutter, unfortunately, has the rated cut. You have to go give your money to Synapse to, or find that Anchor Bay DVD to get the unrated cut with the with the full on kills in it. It's little, little stuff, but they, they do cut away, and you see the aftermath of all this destruction. But yeah, pretty fun. Nice I'm swerve s- at the nice swerve at the end too. You know? Yeah. Bruce Campbell shows up at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm surprised it didn't get the uh, the unrated cut. Uh, I think Synapse owns that now, and they're they're down oh, with vine- okay. they're down with vinegar syndrome. I mean, um, uh, Severin they get the Severin cuts on uh-huh. there. So if you want that that unrated cut, you gotta get get the, get the Synapse Blu-ray or DVD, and yeah. that can be pricey sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but uh, worth it. Yeah, I like Intruder. It's a good sort of like. I mean, it, it's what, same year as this or 80, 89? One, close. One, one, yeah. Close. Yeah. So, it, it, again, it's another one of those, like, examples of, like, a really excellent late period slasher from, like, the classic 80s period. So, yeah. Still keeping it bloody. 
Mm -hmm. Lady Lee, if you have anything you want to mention. <laughs> so I recently rewatched uh, Bend It Like Beckham. I forgot oh, yeah. how much I love that movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the perfect movie for me. It's female empowerment and it's soccer players. <laughs> those are those are two things that are qualities you possess yes so. yeah so I, I it was a feel-good moment I was watching it i was like oh man i forgot how much i love this movie it's one of those movies that just puts you in a good mood no matter what it's a nice look into indian culture too you know mm -hmm. I, I i do enjoy the movie i enjoy one of the follow-ups that that director is blinded by the light about a boy who's obsessed with uh bruce springsteen and mm -hmm. It's pretty good if you haven't yeah. seen it before, you know. The story is kind of cool too because it's somewhat based off the the writer's life. Um, in the writer's case, she picked soccer, but uh, for her, she ended up marrying someone who is Japanese, and she was Indian, so she got a lot of flack from her parents, and she didn't take your standard job. So it was uh, difficult on her. So that's why she wrote this story to kind of like show the family. Did you show the family like accepting at the end? So that's what happened with her. And it was really cool because like in the movie itself, because it's like a low budget movie, a lot of the extras were actually her family members. So there's a mm. lot of people in there that's her family that uh, did the big celebration and did all of it. So that was really cool. And you get that great, you get that great Curtis Mayfield song in the in the soccer montage, you know. You gotta appreciate Which was that, sung. Yeah. It was sung by I want to say her friend's uncle. Really? Or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were so impressed because they couldn't get the the rights to the song. Like they couldn't afford it, so they got someone to sing it, and it sounds exactly the friggin' same. I, I was convinced. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought that was just like you know a version of the the song. You know, nope. he is. There was one of the family members sung it, or one someone that they related to or friends with. I can't remember exactly, but uh, yeah. It wasn't the actual singer. Hmm. Nice. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else? That's it. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple things I want to mention. So first off, a movie from 2021 that just popped up on Netflix. It's called Old Henry. And uh, it's got, uh, fuck, I, I blanked on his name. Uh, he, he was just recently in Buster Scruggs. He's in... Uh, um, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson, thank you. Uh, I, do, I do enjoy his stuff. He is fucking great. So I'm going to throw spoilers out here because the movie kind of really spoils this itself. It, it, like it, it tries to pretend there's some sort of big mystery going on, but there's really not. So basically, Old Henry is about Billy the Kid having survived his uh, reported death uh, where he was killed by Pat Garrett. This, is, this picks up. I think it's supposed to be 30 years later, something like that, almost. Well, 20 years later, actually. And uh, it's like 1907. Um, and he's living widowed on his farm with his kid. His kid wants to go off and have adventures and be a gunslinger and shit like that. But he's just a simple farmer now. And he's trying to like lead a really disciplined, quiet life and like just forget his past. And then this horse rides up onto their property one day covered in blood. And they're like, well, we should go looking for the rider. And he finds the rider dead and a satchel of money. And so he gets his best, uh, uh, his best instincts. He grabs the satchel of money, takes it back to his farmhouse. And then when you know it, some, a posse of possible lawmen show up 
asking questions. And, and, done. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the leader of the posse is Steven Dorf, which is pretty cool to see him in something good for for once uh <laughs> it seems uh, much more seldom these days but it's really good like it's it's a good slow burn movie it's kind of like unforgiven in a way it's it's kind of got some of those same themes of like you know you can't escape your past and stuff like that i think the biggest the movie's biggest problem is it gives too much away on hey this is billy the kid Hey, yo, if, if you know any history of billy the kid at all you know this is billy the kid they even like Tim Blake Nelson looks like fucking Billy the Kid if he aged another 20 years from that one photograph that that uh, is in existence of Billy the Kid. Even has like the the fucked up tooth and everything. Like he, I, I guess they probably did do a little bit of makeup job on him to make him look a little bit more like Billy the Kid. But I mean, he, he pretty much looks the part anyway. And um, it mostly works really well. Like I said, I, the biggest problem with the film is it gives away too much. Like if had they never like outright had anyone say, Hey, he's Billy the kid. And they just kept that a bit more mysterious. I think the movie would have been much more effective because in real life, shit like that doesn't really happen. Like, you know, uh, and you, you can just, you can just pick it up by watching it, that it's, he's Billy the kid. They didn't need to tell you. And it would have been much better. And also there's kind of a, thing i hate in in movies like this like a, a a tooling up segment where he puts his old gear on and it's like oh billy the kid's back like billy the kid wasn't necessarily known as like this big badass gunfighter who was gunning dozens of people down or anything like that he he's a kid who managed to kill a bunch of people probably back shot a lot of them uh probably killed several of them with a, with the group of regulators he was a part of before he became an outlaw uh so you know, at the end where he basically becomes Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven and he like guns down a whole squad of men like it, it's a little far fetched, but the performances are good enough to, to keep the whole thing going. So uh, I recommend that one. Another one I saw uh, X, uh, Ty West's X, which is his new slasher film. And it's basically a it's kind of a, a riff on Eaten Alive and Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. I thought it was pretty well done. I think it's maybe its biggest downfall is that uh, it's antagonists who are two old people. It's two young people and old people make up, which is a little distracting at times. But um, I did like what Ty West was doing with the whole idea of like this, this really, you know, salacious a porno film crew uh, renting out uh, this back bungalow in this Texas redneck uh, farm um, so they could shoot their, their new porno because they're, they're trying to get into the burgeoning porno business in the late seventies. And like, they got a, they got like a maverick little director who's like, who sort of thinks he's an artsy fartsy director and he's trying to make, you know, pornos with more story and, and more stuff going on, which was a thing back then. That was before pornos, you know, kind of, became much more streamlined for the VHS market. And, uh, you know, they started, you know, just like Jackie Treehorn says in The Big Lebowski, where it's like, you know, they, they don't have stories anymore. The The movies used to be about feelings and, and stuff like that. Now it's just, you know, fucking on, on, on camera. But anyway, like, I think the violence in it's pretty good. I, I like the ideas of 
uh, culture clash between generations and uh, the vanity of the uh, of the older uh, couple looking at these young, sexy bodies withering around and desiring to be that again in their lives. Uh, the idea the fact that Mia Goth, who is the the young heroine in this and also plays the old woman in the old age makeup, the idea of her molesting her younger self in some weird twisted way is kind of like think kind of brilliant in, in a way it's it's kind of fun um it's just a creepy movie and i think it works pretty well yeah hey, i wanted Brittany snow to die in that movie and spoilers i give my wish let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, it's great I, I i i don't like ty west movies and i had a good time with this one too yeah yeah nice uh and the next one i'm gonna mention and this is one where i'm probably gonna get some pushback i watched the batman and i fucking loved it three hour police procedural batman where he rarely kicks ass but when he does he he fucking brutalizes people but i i loved it i know i know lee has a different opinion because it's not a superhero enough movie for him Uh, no i hated it there was nothing about it that was enjoyable. Like the romantic relationship between Batman and Catwoman was so awkward. Like I don't know if Robert Patterson has like some PTSD from his like last movie or last time he did a movie where there was a romance. Because <laughs> like that was uncomfortable to watch. Like it just didn't. It wasn't there. Um, I enjoyed them. I thought they both did individually. They did good as Batman and Catwoman. I'm not going to take that away from them. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> I remember you talking about like how good the chase scene was, and I was like, "What fucking chase scene?" Like it was just so short lived. Like it just, I don't know. The whole movie like flopped for me entirely. I I totally loved it. It's it's what I want from Batman. Like I also like that it's Batman Year Two, so it's like he's still very inexperienced. He's gonna which fuck is up. stupid. Why him and Catwoman have a relationship? It takes a while for them to develop a relationship. If you read the actual comic books, you won't go by the comic books. Catwoman is like a bad person, or I shouldn't say but bad. She just steals from the rich and like sort of helps people survive. Mm-hmm. But that develops for a while before all of a sudden they're romantically involved. Like the movie was three hours. They had plenty of time. They didn't have. They didn't even show that. They just showed her being like this person who all of a sudden was good. Like fuck off. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give it to you that that's probably the weakest part of the film, honestly. Is, and is Penguin. That like... Penguin was weak. You hate, hate you didn't Penguin. like Penguin at all. That... Oh, at all. oh, at all. You're so he wrong. Wasn't great. He wasn't. There wasn't anything good about him. There wasn't anything that was like individualistic about him. Like, I, I feel like someone just paid it. him to get the part. That's why they're like, yeah, let's make it look cool by putting all this makeup on someone so he doesn't look like himself anymore. His performance so was his performance was great though. Like he. His it was flat. There was nothing enjoyable I, about the performance. Like it was oh, just, did did you want him to have flippers? Is that is that the no, problem? No, I did really love Danny DeVito's version, but that was a very that was like a very comic book esque I mean, as well. Where where do you um, go? Where do you go from from flipper penguin though? Like but you, you, that's you gotta, the thing. There was nothing about. I didn't realize it was penguin. Like there was nothing about him that really stuck out. Like even when I read the comic books, or if I like compare it to other movies or anything. Like even if you want to go from like. Um, Gotham, like the TV series, like that guy, I loved him. He played the my, my really- favorite penguin, Robin Lord Taylor, and from Gotham, yes. Yeah, he okay. was so creepy, and it was perfect. This one just played like a rich guy who was just an asshole. Like I don't know, it's easy to play. Well, I play a rich guy who's an asshole. Like it just I, there was no well, character development. 
his 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 the, the penguin in this is much very much more based on like he's he's closer to the Arkham Asylum penguin in the video games. And cool, like, then and, show it. And some of the and some of the comics where he's much more like this British tough guy gangster kind of dude thing. Then show that. I got nothing. They did. So it was flat. It was flat. The performance was flat. And I then, like, totally the whole disagree. The movie itself was just dark, which everyone's like, it's like the comic books. That's cool, but there's sunlight even in Gotham. No, it rain. All it does in Gotham is rain. <laughs> like seriously, even the comic books have light. Eh. Wanna, I want to I show it right now. This is like a small portion of my collection of comic books is there. And then I have mm-hmm. a bunch more over there. So like, and there's more that are hidden in other places. I have like another stack that I have to like reorganize. So when people <laughs> tell me it's like the comic book, I'm like, you do realize I read the comic books, right? I do read the comic books. So don't give me that. It's 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 like the comic books in a certain era of the comic. And I love so. oh then I love when someone said the original comic books. I was like the original comic books were like the pow signs and like the Those aren't the original though. Holy Holocaust, though. Batman. No <laughs> <laughs> Holy Holocaust. No, that that that's not the original comics though. That, the, no, those but are that the, was that was like the older comic books and that's those what are the, Yeah, th- those are the sanitized ones in, in during the comics uh, code authority days where they had to bring in the boy wonder and all this other bullshit to make him friendly to kids. But there was still a lot more like it wasn't this. This is not the original Batman. People keep saying the original Batman. I'm like, what original Batman? He's been written about 10,000 times. I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, when he when he first started, he he was when what series back back in the 30s when the comics first started. Okay, I did not look that far into it, but I seriously doubt this is like it. It's closer. It's closer to that. And and, and, and it. I have read some of them, yes, and it's and it's closer. You know, I am old. You had me on that because I did not read those ones. I did not. I mean, I read. I mean, it's it's based it's it's based on more modern interpretation of sort of like the very first Batman comics, in the sense that like he's more violent and he does more violent things. And I mean, Batman was flat out killing people when he first appeared in comics because he was more like a. Uh, pulp uh, hero kind of thing. Like he, he was Batman was flat out killing people in the original comics. So I remember when he started, he was killing people because uh, eventually he turned because he didn't want to kill anybody anymore. It was kind of like a, a moment of like clarity that he had where he felt like he was the, the criminal, which I thought was really interesting too, because if you go into the comic books later on, uh, they toy with the idea that, um, him not killing people is actually for him to continuously seem like the hero because realistically, like he actually has killed people by not killing people who are killing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I think I think we've I think we've ran away anyone who is listening at this point. But uh, I I I, I think the Batman was was fucking great. It's it's my favorite Batman movie. I, I think it's the best interpretation it's of Batman. Popular all over the fucking internet, and I don't understand yeah. why. Like it, I, I just cannot wrap my head around it. I I think it's the best Batman since the animated series. But, and here's Gary waiting for that Batman Swamp Thing adaptation to happen. The Alan Moore one, maybe maybe one day in my dream of dreams. They did. This, this will happen. Yeah. They. <sighs> I seem to recall they did do Swamp Thing on some sort of DC animated thing, and Batman was in it. He was in Justice League Dark for like yeah. a hot second. Yeah, but, you know he was. wasn't in there a lot though. 
Yeah. I'm also really tired of like Batman origin movies as well. Like well, I'm they didn't, so freaking They didn't do that here though. They did. They still no, had they the origin. It was still played in. Yeah, they did. They they hinted at it, but they didn't do like oh here's uh, here. What's they do in every fucking movie? I'm tired of it. Like there's so much more to talk about than ba- about Batman. Nah, like, I got I got I got to disagree with like, you. I want sexual there. relationship with like other fucking superheroes. Like he had a stint going on with Zatanna for a while. Why don't we get that? No, it's always fucking Catman, Catwoman, and Batman, and it's always the thing about him and why he's afraid of bats or not afraid of bats, but how his parents died and that made him like who he is today. Like, I'm so tired of the storyline. Like, there's so they, many storylines that could do. There's so many freaking things that could do. I don't yes, know I, I, I that agree, his parents but died. They really and you don't need to be shown that his parents died. Sorry, go on. They, re- they really don't push into it as hard as, as you're letting on here. Like, they, they, they don't need to. As as I, know they, I know they don't need to. Towards, like, as soon as you start seeing that like part where the parents are like watching the movie and coming out of the theater, I'm like, for fuck's sake, do we have to do this again? Like, I get it. His parents died. That's where Burton got right. He got the swerve on you in that first Batman film. You think it's going to go and do the Batman origins story there, but it's another another family, and here comes Batman to do his business, you know? Yeah, Yeah, because if you didn't know about Batman, which... I doubt no one knows. But if you didn't know, you didn't happen to know. It was just a casual thing that happened. It wasn't a fucking origin again. I think you're overplaying the origin thing when it comes to this movie. It, it was very brief in a three-hour movie. It wasn't pr- pushed upon. <laughs> three like hours the other- so long. I was almost falling asleep. Like The action didn't keep me involved. The, the fighting sequence didn't keep me involved. The supposed well, amazing car chase did not keep me involved. I I kind of suspected you would not because of your attention span. You 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 needed more and I I I totally understand that because it is a very like it, it's very police procedural and it's lackluster. It's, it's not lackluster. It's it's really good, but uh it's um bad. it's it's awesome and the Riddler fucking rules in it. Um, the Riddler was okay. I think there was parts where I found him really strong and creepy, but I don't think they utilized him well enough. Like I don't, I didn't care for him. All right. So now that now that uh, one of us has praised Batman and the other is shit on Batman, and uh, Gary can pick up the pieces and decide whether he still wants to watch it or not. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh no, no, I can watch it. It's, it's available to me, so easy enough. Sweet, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Out of the Dark. And I don't know about you guys, but I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. You ungodly warlock. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. No one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. Rude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. 
just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history all yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally love this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it. But it was How did rough. you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock. talk about out of the dark from 1988 i do have a trailer so we're gonna play that now-ish out of the dark a deadly nightmare is emerging another grisly crime strikes the city of angels Julian was killed last night any prince a deep voice he usually gets violent and then he hangs up have you seen those girls i think he gets a little bit sexually aroused Call me again. You know my number. Where'd you get this? Hello? This is Karen. Who's this? This is 
your friendly Dr. Bobo. It's him. You Jeffrey Lewis, Cameron Dye, Karen Black, Bud Court, and Tracy Walter. Lieutenant Myers, homicide division, please. I'm sorry, Lieutenant Myers, on vacation. Someone else help Out of the dark. All right. This is directed by Michael Schroeder. Interesting career he has. He got to start in One Dark Night as second unit director. He went on to do some features himself, uh, Mortuary Academy, Cyborg 2, Glass Shadow, and Cyborg 3, The Recycler. I didn't realize there was a Cyborg 3. I knew there was a Cyborg 2. And that one's got Jack Palance and um, Angelina Jolie in it, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then he has a pretty extensive uh, assistant director career. Um, he was on Revenge of the Ninja, Lust in the Dust, uh, Avenging Force, Jocks, The Big Easy, Highlander 2, The Quickening, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, of all things. Very varied career he's got going on there. Written by J. Greg DeFelis. Uh, Felice, maybe Felice, Felice. He also wrote uh, Mortuary Academy. Um, Zane W. Livett, uh, who is mostly a producer and actor, and uh, this is his only writing credit. Um, as far as our cast goes, we've got Lynn Danielson Rosenthal as Christy, Cameron Dye as Kevin. We have uh, Karen Black as Ruth Wilson, and Karen Black, of course famous independent uh low budget film actress although she was in you know some pretty notable low budget independent films too she was in five easy pieces cisco pike easy rider uh she's probably best known for trilogy of terror and uh did some other great genre stuff like burn offerings invaders from mars the uh, toby hooper remake of course uh and host of a thousand corpses of all things because uh, you know rob zombie can't help but uh cast uh, old horror actors and actresses and everything he makes bud court as doug stringer and of course uh he's one of those guys uh, there, there's a couple of hey i know that guy actors in, in this film uh, and bud court is definitely one of them and one of the most famous ones uh, of course he's been in mash harold and maude invaders from mars as well and even things like the uh, life aquatic with steve zissou Best West Anderson film. Then we have uh, Jeffrey Lewis, of course, uh, father of Juliet Lewis, and another one of those, those guys actors. Uh, <laughs> as Dennis, uh, he's been in High Plains Drifter, Dillinger, Macon County Line, Lost in the Dust, Night of the Comet, Tango and Cash, and another Rob Zombie film, The Devil's Rejects. There we go. You, oh. you, you can't forget every which way but loose because, you know, Queens winning the ranking is always a winner for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely popped up in some uh, Clint Eastwood stuff, uh, especially early on. Um, and then we got another one of those guys, actors. And this is a guy who uh, I often like mistake for Bud Court. I get them like mixed up in my brain who, who is who often uh tracy walter as L lieutenant frank myers i do uh, the same mm -hmm. and of course he's he's been in repo man conan the destroyer uh he was uh the joker's number one uh, uh enforcer in the 89 batman uh bob there's a um, batman i like yeah. <laughs> uh, he was in City Slickers and something we watched on our October vacation there, Lee, tra Trailer Park of Terror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was uh, just popped up as a fun little 
role as the old man there in, in that one. <laughs> the right? old like man at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, we have Divine, as we mentioned, uh, their last role as Detective Lang- Langella. And um, unfortunately, it didn't do a lot in this film. Just kind of it, it's the novelty of seeing Divine out of drag, basically, is, is kind of and the sad trivia note that this is the last role. But uh, and it was shortly after her death as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death. I'm having a hard time with this one only because I know by the end of her career, she wanted to be uh, taken more seriously as a male actor mm-hmm. out of drag, uh, taken out of divine and wanted to be like himself. So yeah. that's why I'm struggling with pronouns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, divine, you know, the divine, the actor behind divine was, was a gay man who did not identify as a woman as far as I know, but was a drag queen. So, you know, it, it's, that was it's, his, uh, his persona, his female persona. Yeah. So, and I, and I guess divine was like looking to, and especially off like the success of something like hairspray, which was, mm-hmm. you know, mainstream John waters is about as mainstream as he, as he ever got. And kind of like divine fucking rocked it in that film. So it's like, why wouldn't you think maybe, Hey, maybe I can get some like, that's probably really? why she got this one. Mm-hmm. I, I get some serious roles. I can get some interesting stuff. I can do stuff as an actor that I haven't done before. You know that hasn't that's not locked into the, the divine persona and things like that. So, um, Lainey Kazan as Hooker Nancy. Uh, I believe that's the <laughs> punk rock Hooker. The no, that was the one. She was the the one oh, where she... she's like if i smell if i go have a threesome and i stink like what's her oh okay gonna be mad at me that's my big fat greek uh wedding the mother oh really okay yeah as soon as i saw her face i was like no way you're in this movie and you're a hooker you play the nicest mother <laughs> <laughs> I, I i got i got to meet her one time and i i have the biggest crush on lenny kazan in certain roles and so that, that was a hard experience <laughs> She's so cute. Like she's so cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, Karen Witter as Joanne, Karen Mayo Chandler as Barbara, and Tab Hunter as Driver. Just, just like a, again, another cameo uh, this time. Tab Humper, Ted Hunter, Humper. I just called the Tab, Humper. Tab, Tab Humper. Humper. Yeah. That would be no, a well, you, porno. You said name. you said we're doing Divine's last movie. I assume we're doing Lost in the Dust, which stars Tab Hunter, Lenny Kazan, and Divine. So mm. there's that. Yeah, Less Than the Dust is what, like, 85 or 6 or something like that? I think that's before even Hairspray. So, but, but yeah, like, you can tell, like, a lot of the people in this production are all kind of, like, interconnected by past movies. So, like, um, I mean, and, of course, we have, I just want to mention as well, finally here, Paul Bartel is the hotel clerk. And, of course he's he's involved in a lot of this stuff uh actor writer director of course uh famous for directing death race 2000 eating raul which is amazing uh and of course he directed lust in the dust um and of course he also acted in a lot of this stuff he of course he was you know associated with robert corman and the sort of famous corman school of uh, filmmaking or whatever where basically he he used you as slave labor and <laughs> you got to learn how to do every job in filmmaking under his tutelage. And then eventually you got to direct movies and uh, the list, the litany of people who came out of uh, being associated with, with Roger Corman and uh, the stuff they've gone on to do. So, you know, uh, 
I, I do love it when the Blands from Eating Row will show up in Chopping Mall for a hot dog. Yes, second, I was know. about to I was about to mention in Chopping Mall as well. Uh, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff uh, as the Blands. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I got I got to ask Lady Lee, have you seen Chopping Mall? Chopping oh, Mall, Lady Lee. We watched it as one of our movie night hangouts with like nice. our uh, beer review group. Yeah, it was hilarious because uh, since then we've been associating every single movie, whether it's like previous or after uh, Chopping Mall, we just say it's always it's just Chopping Mall. It's always mm-hmm. Chopping See, Mall. I think chopping, I think chopping Mall is like one of the most perfect seventy-seven minutes that there is. Oh, it's great! Very, it's very it efficient with its so time. So bad and so <laughs> funny, but so enjoyable to watch. Like it's an actually shitty movie that's really good oh <laughs> the the, the th- yeah the thing about chopping mall is like you know lee and i's uh other group of friends they're not necessarily movie watchers like as far as like that's why they all like the batman <laughs> shut up um <laughs> but but they they do turn to gravitate towards more mainstream and kind of safe stuff and uh we put on chopping mall and like everyone across the board even like the biggest like snootiest snob in our group like love chopping mall it was just because it was so fun so it's like we, we got to get like we, we were talking about this in, in private we got to get like back to doing movie nights where we just watch crap and I mean, enjoyable crap you know you got you got boobs you got a head explosion you mm-hmm. got death stalker chewing gum uncontrollably come on man you know that's a good show. yeah yeah uh, but yeah paul bartell is, is in this as a hotel clerk and of course also, you know, pretty prolific actor um, in stuff like a movie we got to do on this podcast, Rock and Roll High School. I can't believe we haven't gotten around to that yet. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but yeah, in Shopping Mall as well. And uh, yeah. Do your parents know your Ramones? That's all I'm going to ask, man, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we have a synopsis here, uh, and it says, Sweet Nothings as is a sleazy L.A. phone fantasy hotline. In other words, a phone sex service voiced by failed models in which callers get to divulge their fantasies over the phone. Among them is Bobo, an individual whose twisted sense of humor is matched only by his warped mental state. Dressed in an eerily, 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 that's the word, comical mask of all things, of all things, a clown, he begins murderous, this person cannot write. He begins murderous vendetta against those hotline workers. As a body count in this city steadily increases, the so-called ringmaster in his own personal circus of fear and fatal pain who makes his victims walk a type rope. Okay, shut up. Uh, he's in a clown mask and he, and he kills sex. I should have read that a little closer before I stuck it in my notes. <laughs> You're just like, cool, I'll take this one. Yeah, I'll just take it. it he's, he's in a mask. He he talks dirty to sex phone workers and he kills them. And there's a whole detective story around trying to find out who he is. That's what's going on. I hate when they always, like, right off the bat, use he. Only because, mm-hmm. like, it takes away. Because when you have so many people in a movie and you say he or she, then you're like, oh, okay, then. Cool. Or when they, yeah, or if they say he or she, and you're like, okay. Yeah. She, instead of just pointing they the whole time. Yeah. Just put they. There's a there's a point in this movie where a person takes off a mask and it's it's it, I'm not gonna say what gender they were, but it's not a he, and that's kind of like a swerve for me, but that doesn't really go anywhere. But I, I, I digress. This <laughs> movie, this movie is all about red herrings and swerves uh, as we get into it here. But uh, yeah, first I'll uh, first go over to uh, Gary and I'll ask his sort of general thoughts on this one. 
Oh, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. It was it was a lot of fun. It was there was a picture of that time where these things existed. These these sex lines and yeah, do they, they still exist? exist? They, they still exist. I, they're not it's as popular, really, or popular. You don't fall yeah. asleep on TV waking up to want to talk to somebody sexy. <laughs> They're probably replaced by cam girls now, so you can actually watch them do the real thing. I, I'd imagine that's yeah. The thing now I mean, I think I that's more popular, but they still do have sex lines. There, there's still, there's still the, there's still uh, people out there who want to masturbate the analog way, I guess, and they got, they still got their rotary phone, and they, they still call up, you know. One nine hundred spank or two, like just be on the phone than to be on a computer. Yeah, they're, they're, it's definitely more anonymous, right? So, yeah, yeah, but it's but, it's, it's, a, it's enjoyable, you know, probably a little known slasher, and with all the people in it, you think a lot more folks will be talking about it because there's a lot of great genre actors, and like you mentioned, in, in the thing there. Uh, always been Jeffrey. Jeff, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say it's it's. Tracy Walter and like a fucking he's basically like the hero of the film like he it's like where where do you see him do this anywhere else like he's always like a sidekick character and everything and, I, and I'm yeah. fine with that I, lo- I love Repo Man and Batman of course and he's one of the only reasons to watch Conan the Destroyer the, the, mm-hmm. the, he's is like that uh, the thief sidekick <laughs> and getting getting constantly getting the bone for Grace Jones and yep. yeah that was the time you love some Grace Jones, all right there. You know? mm-hmm. The stories you hear from Dolph Lundgren about her is um, exhausting. It was is a good. Word <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the killer. I mean, it's not nothing really new. You got a guy in a mask, you know, talking in a voice, but he has a great like gravelly voice that they would use later in films like Scream, but they do it with a machine that this, mm-hmm. this person had like, you find out has like split personalities. Maybe he, he goes back and forth. Cause he, or, yeah, I give it away again. Fucking synopsis. Uh, <laughs> this person uh, has, um, that's fine. We know yes. it's gonna, it's fine. We can say he is. I mean, our, disclaim- yeah. our disclaimer right up, uh, up front says there's, but there's spoilers in this. Review, it's, so. it's, it's a dude. Okay. You know, and he, he, he able to change his voice, different per- personas from his voice back to, to Bobo, who 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 likes nipples, apparently, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot. No, but nobody can handle nipples like Bobo. But nobody. Only has one set of nipples. Even, <laughs> even, even with his Rambo knife, he can handle his nipples just fine. Yeah, you know. uh, I thought he was going to legit cut that nipple off. Like I, man. I was hoping, I was hoping for some blood in that scene, just just a little bit to say, oh, I went too far, you know, with, <laughs> with this phone sex thing. Um, very fun. Karen Black is great as the madam in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mat, well, she's not really, you know, and that's she's not pimping these girls out, but she is the the master of the of the people and uh, of the women in this movie. And yeah, kind of new new age madam. Basically, you can say the madam. She's yeah, the madam. she takes care of them. And she had she jumps in on the three way when the when the, our our heroine girl is like no I'm busy I can't jump in on the three way real quick on the phone so yeah it's funny how they mentioned three way twice in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> just three way with the phone and then three way with the the prostitutes like yep. hey someone really wants a three way what <laughs> <laughs> a flaw I have with this movie is you know the the you expect you know once the killer kills the first victim with the baseball bat and then chokes the next victim. That all the other killings would not be chokings. You would hope you were hoping for more creep kills in this clown mm-hmm. slash movie, but it, it it happens. But you know, I I enjoy 
films with lots of red herrings in it, and you don't know if it's Jeffrey Lewis, you don't know if it's possibly Karen Black, because um, which has a real nice tender scene. It doesn't really, I guess, belong in the movie, but I did enjoy, you know, her <laughs> w- with the daughter, and the in in it was nice, but it didn't really belong there. Hey, let's look at this Lura who runs the phone sex lines home life and I think then, it and, to, like uh, look more human. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, it was nice, but you know, killer was fun though. I, I love, I love the, the voice and the, the creepiness of it. And Tracy Walter as a noir detective never happens. So yeah, if you want to film that has that, you know, it's great. And, uh, Bud Cord shows up in this movie as this really sleazy guy. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Sleazy Bud Cord all that often, and it's it's really strange now that when I think of Bud Cord, I think about but I'm a cheerleader as her sort of with it but disappointed father that she's a lesbian. In that yes, movie. yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, when I think of Bud Cord, I always think of like that. I think of I actually, I honestly really do think of his later roles. Like as much as I like his earlier stuff, where you know he's the more amicable, like fresh faced young dude who's you know is kind of likable and shit i like him when he got older and his hair started falling out mm-hmm. and and i really love him in life aquatic with steve zissou where he's like yeah. the, <laughs> he's like the steve zissou's what, what lawyer or money man or something like that yeah. yep but uh yeah it's, it's it's a good time and i i'm surprised more folks don't talk about it put it that way yeah uh lady lee i uh i feel like it started off really strong and then it just went downhill for me Mm-hmm. Uh, the the police investigation just drove me up the fucking wall. Like I get it's a movie and I get you're supposed to suspend disbelief, but there's just so many loose ends and there's so many like, oh, it could be this person. Oh, it could be this person. And the thing is, I think what I really disappointed me was that I figured out the killer within the first like ten minutes of the movie. Like as soon as the detective came out and he said like it's the boyfriend because. He- He's a photographer for a call center. I'm like, it's the boyfriend. He nails it, right? Like he 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 knows right out right out yeah. of the gate to the killers. Um, I think that's uh, it. Kind of turned me off a bit because it reminded me of uh, Dress to Kill, where the movie itself had this kind of cool premise, but because of how they did it, I was like, of course they did it that way. Of course, like it's kind of a mockery of like cross-dressing and this felt like a mockery of like phone sex and that kind of stuff. I could be totally wrong and I could just be taking it personally, but that's kind of how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem I can't remember the female detective's name, but she's like, yeah, you should be more liberal. And as soon as she said that, I was like, it's him. They fucking ruined the movie. They did it. That's what they did. That's what they always do. They always do this clever little line to be like, oh, you try to deter you away from it, but realistically, you know, it's going to be them. And uh, yeah, even even the whole time, like when they did the the investigation with the one girl by herself. And she's on the phone with the guy and they're like, oh, hey, we're only going to have one cop watch this person. We're not going to have anybody else. We're just going to have one cop and nobody close by. Yeah, that was. And then another thing, too, I didn't understand. Like, you have to pay per minute for these call lines. How do you do that? Was he there with fucking quarters? Like, just up the fucking I mean, yeah. I didn't understand how that worked because, like, you can call a phone sex line, but. Um, I don't know how it worked back then, but I know I, in the nineties. I think you put your put your credit card number. You have to put your credit the, card information yeah. in. So I don't know if you can like this was eighty eight, so it was closer. But I, I was like later nineties when I found this out because like people dialing the number. Mm-hmm. 
as a prank. And then you get like, please enter your credit card number. So um, that threw me off. I was like, okay, that can't happen. Like, that's not it. And then as soon as he started describing her, why weren't they already going to go see her? Like, there was just too many. <laughs> there was too many of that. Would, would have been better if Batman was doing the police procedural. Maybe if it was like 89 Batman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just, um, I found that it lost its pace in the second half. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. first half. I thought it was kind of fun. I really enjoyed, I, I honestly really enjoyed the uh, the characters at first because I found that the females were stronger representing. So even though they're getting murdered, it wasn't like the helpless thing. It was literally just them catching them off guard. Uh, instead of like, I'm going to stand here and run and then fall over something or like right. stand and cry and be like, oh no, please man, don't stab me. Like that kind of stuff that you always see. So I found that the representation at the beginning of the females was actually pretty like awesome. Mm-hmm. But then like Gary said, they kept strangling them. So that got a little bit boring, a little bit repetitive. There were so many parts in this movie that I found didn't have to be in there. Like, the, the drunken father, I guess he's the dad of the child, and he's also, like, the the teacher of the photographer. Mm, yeah, so he's the older, sleazy photographer. Yeah, know. I guess they tried to make it seem like he would, could have been it, but mm-hmm. truthfully, there was never any moment that I felt like it was him. I felt like it was kind of wasted space, like, they didn't have to bother with that. Uh, and then with the accountant, I was like... Uh, it's funny because as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, he's storing evidence in the, the locker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't um, know, I think it's because I, I, I found it predictable that I didn't enjoy it as much. Like, I think I just lost interest. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I like this. All right. The, the biggest thing for me that I really enjoyed about this is that this is one of those films in the late 80s that sort of bridges the gap between slasher film and the sort of like sexy skinamax thrillers that like was the big wave in the 1990s. Like this is very much those like salacious Shannon Tweed films in the 1990s or whatever, where it's like, there's a couple murders or whatever. Right. And there's, there's some sort of like psychosexual kind of thing going on with the killer and shit. But then there's a lot of sex scenes and boobies everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's really dry humpingly. That's all it is really. Yeah, of course. But they're, they're mashing parts. That's uncomfortable. I think, you know, I mean, it depends on what you're into. There, 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 there's some there's some benefits from dry humping, but I think this is a perfect representation of where this sort of genre was going into because slashers were sort of out the door at this point. So, like, it's got enough slasher elements where it's sort of walking the line between that and, oh, all of a sudden we got, like, you know, soft jazz music and, and steamy sex scenes and, like, softcore sex and, you know, badly lit, uh, rooms and dark streets and, and lots of boobies. And lots of boobies. I like that. Like, I, I, it just kind of you know, it's a nostalgia thing. It's like, oh, I, I watched plenty of those fucking films and like Blue Nui and shit from uh, the uh, TQS channel back in the day. That was here in Canada. <laughs> when you told mom and dad went to bed, stay up till this came up. Oh no, I had my own TV. It was fine. Um, I had one TV <laughs> in the whole goddamn house. Go fuck yourself. Uh, I, I, I often. I was. bought my fr- okay. I bought my first TV because like all we had was the one TV, the family TV, mm-hmm. and that was it. So when I was younger, I bought my first TV, and it was at 
Valley Village when TVs, you could still buy TVs. And it was one of the analog ones where you had to like twist Dial turn it. On and it I, yep. Yeah, I had, it was, I think it was like eight bucks or something. I bought that for myself and uh, I hooked up my Xbox to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all stuff I paid for myself. So no, I didn't have cable or any TV on it. <laughs> I think I could get like CTV very unclearly on it but that was about it yeah it it does kind of bridge the gap between slasher films and those sort of like sexy thrillers and stuff that you saw in skinamax and stuff and uh also you know going to what lee was saying i did really enjoy like just the behind the scenes shop talk of the sex workers i actually wanted a lot more of that in this movie i kind of like i was I was enjoying the characters. I was enjoying how they actually liked their jobs, even though they were dealing with like scuzzy losers and stuff their entire day or whatever. They, they got enjoyment out of it and they made it fun. And like, it makes a point about how a lot of these women are, you know, this is the reality of this sort of sex work. This, you know, they're, they're not putting their bodies out on the line like prostitutes are. And a lot of them are just in this for the money and they're trying to get other jobs. Like a bunch of them are talking about how, oh, I got a commercial or I got a modeling job or what, you know, it's, it's just a step in like trying to further their career and stuff like that. I applied to be a sex phone worker mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s because I was looking for work. But uh, I went online to like see what I could do, like see where I could apply. And they asked me to like describe some like a hot sexy moment I had and I blinked <laughs> <laughs> I had I was like trying to type it I'm like oh I can't do this and then I kind of gave up but I was looking into it <laughs> you, you could have you could have you could have been one of those pick up the phone girls eh? yeah yeah, yeah. sexy Everyone, singles in your area call me I'm waiting <laughs> we're just horny Ladies, just waiting for someone to come hang out with us. We're so bored tonight. We're so bored. Exactly. They they used to, late night TV, they used to run those commercials. Like, you you know, the channel hits like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And then it's just running those over and over again. I'm single and sexy. And I want to talk to you. Following's for adults only. Don't be lonely. Talk live to your special lady tonight. International long distance rate supply as low as 50 cents a minute. Adults only by Ellen B. Media. Pick up the phone. Cat got your tongue. <laughs> just, just, just like sex phone lines themselves, that whole thing is kind of dead now. Like TV, like that, seeing that shit on TV now is just, you don't see it anymore. It's oh, dead. do you remember um, uh, Call Cleo? Yes. Yeah, Miss Cleo. Yeah. Miss Cleo, I know your future. Who 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 died of who died of fraud and uh, you know. Uh, oh man, those were like the best things. That was the best thing because like I remember when my parents used to go to bed, I would stay up and watching whatever TV show, movie, or whatever would pop up, just hanging mm-hmm. out afterwards, and then I'd, I'd pass out, wake up to the most random shit on TV, like either an infomercial trying to sell me something because it's like. 
four in the morning yeah. <laughs> or some fucking sex thing at two in the morning. <laughs> George Foreman selling those grills to people, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best that, 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 that make the... a hamburger, he said. You know, you know I, I am so surprised that one of George Foreman's kids hasn't murdered him because he named all of his kids George. Like, you think one of them would be like, I'm going to kill my dad. I'm just going to. Really? I'm going to end him. That's yeah. He, he named all of his kids George. They might not get that sweet piece of that grill empire, though. You know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's true. He, he, uh, is the, he is the champ after all. That's all I'll say about that. You got you got to make it look like natural causes. That's all I'm saying, George. Whichever one of you is going to do it. Um, <laughs> the best, I think, is like waking up to the end of TV. But mm-hmm. like. No it's just not a thing anymore, eh? No, it's just like, like that, no. that's one thing I don't think you could explain to, to people at a younger age and be like, yeah, I used to wake up and there was like the TV channel had ended. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, there was no more There was yeah. no more programming and it just ended. Yeah, there, there was a time where you actually had to like do something else. <laughs> you either found a different channel that that's was on when, a different that, hour. <laughs> that's how poltergeist happens, people. The snow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Ann's looking at the TV a little too long. That's it's uh, not good. Um, I, I do have to mention some some stuff I like in this. Uh, I I think again going back to this the Skinamax thing, like that hotel sex scene at like the one hour mark or whatever, where um, they they go you know to the to the motel where the murder happens of the uh, punk rock hooker uh, who gets. The, we see the after effects of, of her after effects of her death when Paul Bartel walks in on her corpse in the uh, bathtub or whatever, um, which I thought was pretty well done. Got to say, Paul Bartel in a fucking toupee. I've seen some bad toupees in my day, but that's one of the worst I've ever seen. That toupee with that outfit is fucking magical, though. I'll tell you right, dude, right, goddamn the, now, you know the fucking the fucking converse she's wearing. Oh yeah, shoes? yeah. He, ru- he ruined them chucks when they in that fucking blood water. God damn it! It was <laughs> and, so uh, nice too. And I got I got to say also, Par- Paul Bartel. He, so you know, unfortunately, he died fairly early. He died uh, in year two thousand, age sixty one. He looks 70 here in, in 1989. It's like, whoa, dude. I, I don't know what's going on. It was so sad to see Divine's last part in that mm-hmm. movie just because it was very quick. But what was disappointing was like the scene itself was entirely unnecessary. Like, yeah, they, they built him up, right? Because the, the, Tr- Tracy Walter and his partner keep talking about him. As like, oh, he's the best detective in town, and he's on the case and shit. He's going to show up eventually, and then he shows up and basically just dresses Tracy Walter down a little bit, and then you never see him again. And it's just like such a letdown. Like you expect him to have a bigger part in the film, and also it's like it's no matter what you do to Divine, you can tell it's Divine. The voice is just like the. <laughs> Cannot change the voice. It is it is divine. It was through a little and through. bit more masculine, but it yeah. definitely like yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know when the movie because I know this movie was made like later, nineteen eighty eight, and he died nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he died like during recording, like close to the end. So that's a possibility why they didn't weren't able to develop the character as much as they would like to have. It might have been something like that. I'm kind of like looking because I know that. Uh, even with the dates, there's some places that say 89 and some places that say 88 for the movie that uh, came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this must have been this must have been shot around the same time as Hairspray was, right? I'm assuming. 
like hairspray was shot 87 88 somewhere around there mm-hmm. and then this came out after hairspray i'm pretty sure so this might actually just been shot he might have just like done some bit parts you know did a few hours and just shot his part you know after I wonder hairspray. If just really wanted them in the movie they're just like we really want divine I mean, Brian wants I, to like make his male appearance. Yeah, we fucking want him. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure he was like shopping out, like, like, hey, I'm 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 willing to work, and anybody wants to pick me up, and like, this is a very low budget production, so uh, I'm sure they would have loved jumped at it because, like, look at the people they're picking up here. Like, they're picking up like really great second tier, you know, like character actors that are like always playing second string, third string to the leads and other films. And they get their chance to shine in this one, uh, just doing fun, interesting parts, which is one of the things I really value about this film. It's just like, where else do you see this many, like really interesting, cool actors just kind of show up in this and, and, you know, do their best, like some of their best work, honestly. Like I, I think fucking Tracy Walter is fucking great in this. I want yeah, noir, I want noir detective Tracy Walters in, in, in his own film. Oh, I just got I, I got annoyed that they just didn't use like it, it just felt like there was parts missing in this movie to make it better. Like it just felt like it was very like the police parts themselves were very cut short because the big thing for mm. me was that um, the boyfriend was a suspect the whole fucking movie, the whole movie, the whole time or the photographer, whatever. Yeah. Um, And the day they did the, the thing where they're like, oh, we're going to catch him. Why was he not like either? Uh, under her investigation or in jail or something like do you not think that they would be like okay we're gonna make sure that he is somewhere where we know where he is so we can make sure it's on him yeah they 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 dropped the ball on, on like they dropped the ball like a lot of it you don't get tracy walter's big noir ending to this movie he's like hey they said you were on vacation no i am now i am yeah. now. <laughs> I do, I, I do like where they go. They they do go into those like slasher cliches, right? So you know the killer, even though he's been gunned down, he still jumps up for the final like attack, and finally gets gunned down. I almost thought they're going to pull a Michael Myers here, where the you know the last shot is him strung out in the lawn after being shot. I thought they're going to cut away and cut back to him being gone. I I, I was sure they were going to do that when I saw that scene, uh, because the um, the strangulation scene. Very reminiscent of um, PJ Souls uh, being killed in the original Halloween, um, and also it's it's also very reminiscent of Black Christmas too, kind of in how the kills happen to that. It's just he's using a phone cord instead of a plastic uh, cellophane bag or whatever to you know smother people and shit. But uh, like like it, it, it does it, like it, it just skirts the line, and I think it doesn't go far enough in either direction like it could either be like a really good slasher film or it could be a really good erotic skinamax thriller like it it, could have went either way and and been much better but it tries to skirt the line a little too much and i think that's maybe kind of the biggest problem with it but that being said i still liked it a lot and my favorite part is the uh, mexican wife who oh my god yeah after after her husband is killed is obviously unfazed did not love her husband at all is unfazed by his death 
<laughs> like I thought the that first, was funny. I enjoyed the, that. Yeah, the first lines out of her mouth are how her husband just drank beer and ordered her around. And and so she's she's talking about, oh yeah, I got my kids to clean up the leftover blood and shit uh this morning and she's just talking about it like it's nonchalant like it's just everyday business or whatever and his kill i'm sorry I was just, i'm sorry his his kill is great by the way like it's obviously the best kill in the film goriest one that's for sure i mean mexican culture says you know he's a he's a latin prince you know because his mama made him that way and <laughs> she's not having that mess in her kitchen she don't give a fuck who it is so mm-hmm but man, that, that shovel kill is great. Like that, that's like from a different movie. Because the other kills, you're right, Gary. They're very lackluster. The strangulation scene is all right. Though you know the one with the uh, the phone cord, but the one with the uh, the garden hose, I don't even know how that worked. Because there, there's no way he could pin that garden hose the way he had it down on her throat enough to, to strangle her. Like it, it made no sense to me. He's like so, holding on, holding on her neck gently if, in a way, you know? Yeah. yeah you're, you're dead. That's the thing. You know? <laughs> so divine died March 7th, 1988. Okay. And the movie came out March 5th, 1989. So a little under a little over a year under a year. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Just so yeah, it, yeah, and so and she died during the uh, promotional tour for Hairspray. Yeah. So yeah. Super sad. Yeah. Super sad. Oh, it makes me so sad. It was a heart attack, and and the weight Divine did carry around. Well, they even I was watching a biography on her, and that's the one thing that they always mentioned was like they were constantly telling her like you gotta lose weight, you gotta lose weight, you gotta lose weight. Because she, like, oh, she, whatever, whatever. Because she, she was really big in hairspray, like. Well, she was big in this too. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say something. I totally forget. Oh, yeah, the end scene. The end scene. I feel like they could have made that a little bit stronger. The, yeah, it's it's just, just it's just cheap fake out stuff, right? Like. It's like, hey, by the way, the twist. I did. I, I did. Know what happened? I mean, I did like that they gave the the. The, the killer some psychology though you know like even though it's you know movie schizophrenia or split personality or whatever that you want you know really diminishing actual mental illness but um they they fucking they at least tried you know they they did they, they tried to show that he had like he had the bobo personality and then he had his you know uh uncle jesse from full house personality you know kind of <laughs> They're actually Should talking I, about how split personality is. Uh, oh, I don't know how to explain this. It's like not really a thing. So people don't actually have split personalities. It's more them making them up versus I, an actual thing. I, 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 know to, I know what to tell you. I just watched six episodes of Moon Knight and I know everything about split personalities. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I know that I know that uh, you can have three different distinct personalities. One is a meek English fucking uh, shop worker at a museum. Uh, one can be a, an elite mercenary, and the other can be a, a hired soulless killer, all operating in the same brain, separate from one another. Okay. At, at mm-hmm. what point does he become an aimless musician drifter with a cat? You know, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's season two, probably. Um, um, 
I, I tried to love Inside Lewin Davis so many times that I, I just couldn't do it. You know, I go for it. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I was just trying to bring in my, my smart pants. And Lee's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> no, I, I, like I told you, you listen, you, you watch season one of Moon Knight and all the stuff you learned in quote unquote school is going to be thrown right out the window yeah. when you learn the real deal. So keep your smart pants to yourself, young lady. <laughs> all, my, all my learning in psychopathology are just fucking... Mar- throw it out the window. Garbage. You know. Mar- Marvel and the Disney rat are going to tell you how real uh, psychology works and you know, mental the, illness works. Them and, James, them and James McAvoy. You can do uh, <laughs> just like side note, I know it's totally off topic, but just because we're talking about mental health. The amount of people that come up that tell me like I know psychology better than anybody. Okay, you yeah, just okay. remind me of that. You just reminded me of that because I have so many people who are just like, "Well, I just know it because it's common sense. I just know it because like I read an article." Yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Do we have anything else we we want to mention uh, on this one? I think I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you, you were not as a big of a fan as uh, Gary and I, uh, Lee, but... Uh, I went, Okay, I enjoyed the beginning. I enjoyed that there was, like, some strengths about it. So um, I would say I would recommend, because mm-hmm. if... Uh, I, I think I just caught on to it too quickly, and it just ruined it for me, because, like, I was constantly just waiting for... The, the results of the movie because I was like okay just tell <laughs> you, me I'm right you're waiting for everyone else to catch up to you basically is what it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was just getting tired because I'm like okay quit trying to hide like I know it's you like stop it like this is stupid I get what you're doing this I know why you went to the motel I know why you did this I know why you did that so like yeah See, the thing I like about this movie is there's is there's parts of the films that have lulls in it but there's always something that brings you back in like Paul Bartel's Paul Bartel's uh Wig, wig foo in this movie. You know, I, love, <laughs> I, I, I have to agree with that. I love wig foo in movies, and let me explain. If you've seen Conan the Barbarian, there's two actors in that movie that James Earl Jones plays. There's the the part Salsa Doom, and then there's the maj- majestic wig that he uses. That that's a whole other actor in that movie. And oh yeah, man, it's 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 amazing. It's, I, I I still want to do Conan the Barbarian on this podcast at some point, but I'm. I'm just so scared of well, what what can I talk about on about Conan the Barbarian that the projection booth didn't do for seven fucking hours? And I listened to all seven hours too. Me too. It's like man, uh, that, hey, that Conan the Barbarian, that's a really good movie. Hey, yeah, I agree. Podcast over. Just going to, the, to those noobs and asking personal questions like what is best in life, and they have the wrong answer altogether. You know. Mm-hmm. You can do like original. They must be done straight and watch like a couple movies and compare them. Or so, sorry, not compare them, but talk about them. I so you Conan. I have to ask lately, what what is best in life lately? You know, watching movies. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh. Phone nah, sex. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> the, the nerds know what it is, you know, and. Waking up to uh, a blank screen on your TV. It is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. That's what what it is, you know. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yeah, 
I, I it took me a while to come around to that movie too because I was such like a nerd for the original Conan stories that like I originally I hated that movie, but then when I kind of understood what John Milius was doing with it, and now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But it took a while to get there. It's funny because that's kind of how I felt with the, when I first watched my first Divine movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand like the sarcasm behind it. But then when you kind of understand like who John Water is, who Divine is, who all those actors are, you're like, wait a second. Like I, I appreciate this a lot more now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I like this. I, I recommend it. Um, I, I think, again, one of the big takeaways for me is like it really is if, if you're looking for that period between where the slashers were dying and like the sexy thrillers with tons of boobies were showing up on like cable tv and stuff like that this movie's like a direct bridge between those two things is it perfect no but it's fun it's got a lot of great character actors that i love that are getting to like shine and and sort of strut their stuff you know out from under the shadow of bigger stars. And I think that's valuable. So uh, I really do like it. Budget for this was 1.6 million. Apparently the United States gross was 419,000. So it didn't do very well. I I don't know if it ended up making all that it's budget back on like rentals and uh, foreign markets. Uh, Could not find that information, but uh, that's that's probably one of the big reasons why nobody knows about this is it just kind of died and no one saw it, I guess. Um, releases, uh, there's DVD editions, iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and Movies Anywhere. So you can find it. It's readily available. Uh, so you should check it out. It's, you know. It might it might not be for everybody, but it's it's interesting at the very least. And the biggest sin a movie can commit is just being fucking boring. And this movie is definitely not boring. So, yeah, check it out. All right. So, Gary, uh, it's always great to have you on this podcast. So please pimp your stuff, anything coming up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you're bored of me by now, you should be. Uh, you can find <laughs> more of my stuff under the um, and what's called the beef curtain again. The butcher shop. <laughs> the, beef, the, the beef curtain is what the beef chat is called under normal circumstances. Uh, that's a play I on the lady. Beef something else. That, that, no, well, that's a play on the lady parts. See, yeah. I have lady co-hosts. And they 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 get my my dry sense of humor. You know. Um, Hopefully the beef yeah. curtains aren't dry though. Jesus, man, no, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be bad, bro. But you can find um, the show I did with Lee and Cameron. Last call of torches on there. Send the beef podcast. Two drink minimum commentaries. Burning for Springwood. Uh, that's about it, really, for right now. On that on that particular feed, and uh, look for Untapped Gems on the Intestinal Fortitude Podcast Network. That's mm-hmm. the show I do with uh, another fellow Canadian of yours, Heather Powell. Who's in uh, England right now? My for her, for her, our, her steady return home. So we could start recording that show again, and that's a show I do with her. We we, we discuss first time watches for the both of us, and yeah, good it's times. Good, it's a good show. I enjoy it. Um, and also, um, Gary and I just uh, were on on Cameron's show today. Oh yeah, uh, yes we were. Yeah, we were. Uh, he's doing the uh, Rutger Hauer Appreciation Month over in Cinema G Generation, and uh, we talked about. The Osterman Weekend, the uh, last Sam Peckinpah film 
from 83 and we had fun yeah. talking about that. So that, that should be, I don't know when Cameron's releasing that, but uh, there'll be somewhere soon. Yep. Soonish. And a uh, surprise for Lady Lee, if she doesn't know already, this has been discussed. I'm going to have her on with, 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 with Lee to, to uh, do a beef out of the can episode very, very soon. We're going to talk about the Apple and I'm very excited for her to see the Apple. Have you ever seen it before? It's a, I have it's, not seen it. It is an experience. It is. But um, yeah, it's good stuff. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lady Lee, anything you want to plug? So anytime Lee decides to send me pictures, I will post them. That is a point at you. Uh, at my uh, friend Elstar on like what, Instagram. <laughs> what, what kind of pictures can I send to you that you post on your Instagram, though? For the podcast. Oh, okay. Any pictures related to the podcast, when he does send me them, I will post on my Instagram. Yeah. And in, 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 in between that, just like cute pictures of your dog and cat. Yeah. Or just randomness. <laughs> Random yeah, things I mean, about female repeat reproductive rights that seem to get other. Ugh. Let's not going. even, <laughs> let's not even go there. That's that uh, went down. That went down a crazy rabbit hole. My, my, my position, Gary works with women. Gary supports women. Gary has no business telling what to do with their bodies. Okay. There, there you go. You know. He appreciates Gary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you can find all of our stuff. Uh, we, Lee and I just recently uh, were on an episode of the Grindbin podcast talking about uh, live like a cop, die like a man. Um, yeah. and, and that was a lot of fun. That's their most recent episode that's uh, out right now. And so you should check that out. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking that classic police Joteski about incredibly sociopathic, psychopathic, crazy ass fucking cops. Uh, you know, go figure. Cops are fucking psychos. It's uh, funny, like, we just had a conversation the day before about cops and our dislike for them. Mm-hmm. And that came up. <laughs> Should be clear. It was the fact that they can get away with stuff and that a lot of cops, even though they're good, tend to turn a blind eye to the bad ones. Yeah. And, and these are definitely bad ones, although they're the heroes of the story. <laughs> oh, God, it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, anyone interested in that, check that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, you want to find more episodes of this podcast and all the other sort of related stuff under our banner, go to tmbdos.podbean.com and you'll find all of our crap. And uh, yeah, we'll be back when we're back. I don't know what we're doing next. I think we have we gone through all your movies that you recently? Yeah, I had the three. Yeah, okay. So um, we do have a request that we need to fulfill this month, and that's going to be uh, Velvet Goldmine, which is the uh, sort of glam rock movie with, uh, I think, Ewan McGregor is in it, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I... Jonathan Reese Myers as well from Benda Lake Beckham. So, connected. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had I a request to handle that. <laughs> we, we, we had a request to do that one. So uh, that's probably going to be our next episode uh, that we do. On, on the main feed so uh until then check that out uh again thank you gary it's always a pleasure to have you on here thank you thank you lady lee and thank you all for listening and good bye bye
have been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through. Thank you.